the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, friends. This is Wendy Scott. I want you to know about my personal friend, Mark Romanowski, and his locksmith and fire door inspection business. Mark decided to sponsor Season Watch to share the great joy he's experienced since he gave his life to Jesus. He accepted the Lord later in life and hopes that you won't wait to have the same peace, too. Mark's always saying, hey, man, you just need Jesus. And that's true. So if your commercial building has fire doors, contact Mark's fire door inspection services. He can inspect and certify all your fire doors and help fix the most common problems with fire marshal inspections. Like Jesus helps us pass God's inspection for heaven. You can find Mark's services and contact info at San Diego Fire Door Inspection.com. That's San Diego Fire Door Inspection.com. Thank you and God bless. Welcome to Season Watch with Wendy Scott, where we observe the things coming on the earth through biblical binoculars because the Bible is both timely and timeless. With her master's degree in rhetoric and writing skills, Wendy is a part-time college professor, but a full-time truth professor. She believes the Word of God is His perfect revelation, including a young earth six-day creation, as well as the global flood inundation, and that Israel is God's chosen nation. Faith alone in Jesus is salvation, the true church rapture comes pre-tribulation, followed by Christ's millennial domination and his eternal kingdom with earth's regeneration. Jesus is coming without hesitation. And now, here's Wendy with today's topic. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me with Season Watch as we begin with prayer. Lord, we're just seeing so many uh, distress of nations, distress of people, distress of those who love you and follow you, many martyrs around the world are being persecuted because of their faith in you, Jesus. And we know the times are coming near. We pray for wisdom and strength and guidance through this time. Help us to help others. Help us to stand strong for you and your word and your name, Jesus. And um, use us, Lord. Let us be a light in this time. We just give all these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, I plan to move on from this topic of the virulent anti-Jewish activity exploding all over the world. But I continue to hear Christians who hold views that essentially blame Israel for the attacks on them. And so I was compelled to more specifically explain why we must stand with the Jewish people. The main basis for Christians blaming Israel, and in a sense, blaming all Jews, if we're honest, uh, amount to two rationales. The first is they claim that Israel is occupying the land. And they use this anti-Semitic term, Zionists, co-opted from those who actually hate God, who are against God. Most of them are uh, very liberal. Ironically, Zion is God's term for the spiritual Jerusalem and the city of God. And so these caustic claims of being occupiers in the mouths of Christians shows how little they know about the actual history, as well as the prophecies and promises God has made to Israel, as they must return to the land. It's the promise to them for the latter days. And then the second thing I've been hearing is Christians say that the Jews in Israel were brutally attacked because they occupy the land in unbelief and are still under the Deuteronomy curse. They suggest this is what you get for your continued rejection of the Messiah when God actually promised that he would bless them when he brings them back into the land. And so, friends, fasten your truth belts as today we discuss Israel, God's promise to return them to the land. 
Uh, Next week, we're going to look at the history in greater detail, and we'll review some of that and give some real specifics, uh, which will refute the narrative that Israel is occupying the land, suggesting that they're breaking some kind of international law. But this week, we can respond to both accusations of unlawfully occupying the land and doing so in unbelief as the rationale that Christians are using for condemning Israel. And frankly, friend, the unbelief of the Jews has been used by Christians to beat them up over these last 2,000 years. And if we really care about them, we should, and care about all people, we should not so easily fall for this excuse, for we were all in unbelief before God graciously gave us understanding. He was quite patient with us, wasn't he? And so one cannot certainly be a light to unbelievers while attacking them. That doesn't make sense. And yet we know that God will draw them to him in the latter days if we let him use us. And he has been. And so remember, God appoints angels for those who do not yet believe. So it's an example of his graciousness. Hebrews 1.14, it says about angels, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who shall be heirs of salvation. So we see that, that God has plans and provisions for people who are yet in unbelief, knowing that they will come to him. And we see that God has given a cascade of promises, bringing them back into the land. They come back in unbelief, largely, but gradually he sprinkles them. And we'll see his promise is to use them to judge the nations and to draw them to him. And gradually, little by little, they'll return to him. And so we have to be patient and be part of that process and supporting God's will for them. And so it's so important to be on the side of God. As followers of Jesus, we must know the word and discern truth from lies. And Paul warned that in the last days would be full of deception. Remember 2 Timothy 3.13? But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We see in 2 Thessalonians 2.7, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. That's the church, actually, and the Holy Spirit. And then we see in 1 Timothy 4.1, Now the Spirit expressly speaks that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Oh, heavens, don't let us fall for those. And so we will set aside human reason and flaws of human virtue for this time. And instead, we're going to make arguments to justify any opinion we're inclined to adhere to. Instead, we're going to dispel these anti-Israel, anti-Jewish arguments by looking at what the Bible has prophesied about Israel's future, combined with the true historical record, which we'll look at next time, about the Jewish people's return to their national homeland. And so this served God's purpose for spreading, oops, First, let's recall Jesus's description of the destruction of Jerusalem and God's eviction of his people from the land. We see this in Luke 21. Luke twenty one twenty, And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with many armies, then know that the desolation thereof is near. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let none of them that are in the countries go thereunto. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. And so this is when God expelled them. And while they were expelled for 2,000 years, reaping the most horrific consequences for their rejection of the Messiah, I don't think anybody's ever been treated so badly for 2,000 years. And then as Jesus described in Luke as the days of vengeance for their rejection, it's true that the next stage of prophecy is also now being fulfilled as we go on to verse 23. And Jesus says, But woe unto them that are with child and them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. 
And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles will be fulfilled. And so we see a promise that the people will be scattered, which they have been for 2,000 years, into captivity until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. We mentioned this before. And Paul confirms this timeline and that God's promises to Israel were not over. And we see this in Romans 11, which we should be very familiar with. Romans eleven twenty five, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own opinion, that blindness, in part, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Verse 28, Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, But concerning the election there, beloved, for the sake of the fathers, for the gifts of the calling of God are without repentance or irrevocable. And so we see a clear outline of the prophecies for Israel that for the sake of the Gentile world, Israel would not only be blinded, but scattered. And this served God's purpose of spreading the gospel outside of Israel and throughout the Roman world and beyond. But both Jesus and Paul confirmed that in this interim, Jews would suffer persecution, and that's according to Deuteronomy 28. So those are the curses that people claim they are still under. So we look at Deuteronomy 28, 58. There's a whole lot here, so I'm going to pick some of the verses. It says, starting in verse 58, If you do not carefully observe all the words of the law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name of the Lord your God, verse 62, you shall be left few in number, whereas you were as the stars of heaven in multitude, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. And it shall be that just as the Lord rejoiced over you to do good and multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and bring you to nothing, and you shall be plucked up off the land to which you go and possess." Then the Lord will scatter you among the peoples from one end of the earth to the other. And there, sh- and there you shall serve other gods, which neither you nor your fathers have known, wood and stone. And among those nations you shall find no rest, nor shall the sole of your foot have a resting place. But there the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, and anguish of soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. You shall fear day and night and have no assurance of life. And that's exactly what happened to them from 70 A.D. on. And that, by the way, is 40 years after Jesus rose from the dead. And so his disciples testified of him for 40 years and spread the gospel for 40 years while Jerusalem remained a city. But then God God brought Rome 40 years later uh, to besiege Jerusalem and destroy the temple and to kill and capture as scatter his people, just as Jesus prophesied with the days of vengeance. And that's when this Deuteronomy 28 curse came upon them to the fullness and scattered them around the entire world. Uh, but notice how God say, it gave Israel 40 years to hear about and decide for themselves concerning all that they had seen and heard about Jesus, just as he gave Israel 40 years in the wilderness. And we see his reflection on that in Deuteronomy 8, 2. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And so we see God gave them 40 years to decide. And many Jews did come to faith and uh, they held on to their faith. That's why we continue to have some Jews. Jews do accept the Messiah, but um, he did harden their heart and blind them to the, for the most part. So the entire Gentile world could hear about it. And when the Jewish people largely rejected their Messiah, then Jesus 
Then God destroyed the temple as a sign that the final sacrifice had been offered. That was it, because Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And God fulfills his prophecy to scatter them. We saw in Deuteronomy 29, verse 24, Uh, All nations will say, why has the Lord done this to the land? What does the heat of this great anger mean? Then people will say, because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord God, their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. Verse 28, and the Lord uprooted them from their land in anger and wrath and a great indignation. He cast them into other lands as it is to this day. And so, however, we know that the Bible from the Bible, that Israel has not been cast off forever, but that as the times of the Gentiles come to an end, that God would bring them back into the land and make them the focus of his judgment on the wicked world, right? Because he gave the whole world a chance to receive Jesus also. And guess what? A bunch of them didn't want him either. So it's hard for us to blame just Israel, right? Ezekiel thirty six nineteen. So I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed through the countries. I judged them according to their ways and their deeds. Verse 21, but I have concern for my holy name, which is the house of Israel, had profaned among many nations wherever they went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in the midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I'm hallowed in you before their eyes. Verse 24, for I will take you from among the nations, gather you from out of all countries and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle you with clean water and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 32, not for your sake I do this, says the Lord God. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I will cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities and the ruins shall be rebuilt. Verse 34, and the desolate land shall be tilled instead of lying desolate in the sight of all those who pass by. Verse 36, then the nations which are left around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it and will do it. And we see, again, God illustrates illustrated his intent to bring Israel back into the land in Ezekiel 37, starting in verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out of the spirit of, by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord, only you know. Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and I said, and I prophesied, As I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, sinew and flesh came together, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. See, this is a reference to the idea that God will bring them back into the land as a nation, and yet there's no breath in them at that time. Verse 9, and he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breathe and breathe on these slain, that they may live. Verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great host. And he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, says the Lord God, behold, my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up 
from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live. I will place you in your own land, and then you shall know it. I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. And we see that the very next chapter indicates that this would be in the latter years. As he prophesied, yeah, there's a dual fulfillment. He brought them back from Babylon. But we see these are more specific to the second return, which we've talked about before. And he prophesied that the Gog-Magog coalition war would come upon them. And it has not yet happened, right? Although we're seeing the setup right now, aren't we, with Russia and Iran and Turkey aligning with these other actors, aligning against Israel, threatening to attack And so we see this attack described in Ezekiel 38, and we're going to begin at verse uh, 7. Prepare yourselves, be ready, you and all of your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. After many days you will be visited. In the latter years you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had been so long desolate. They were brought out of all the nations, and now all of them dwell safely." You will ascend coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many peoples with you. You will come, verse 16, against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days, and I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I'm hollowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. And then he thoroughly describes what he will do, looking in Ezekiel 39. You shall fall in the mountains of Israel, you and all your troops and all the people who are with you. I will give you the birds of prey, every sort. The beasts in the field will be devoured. So the house, verse 22, so the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward. And the Gentiles shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity because they were unfaithful to me. Therefore, I hid my face from them. I gave them to the hands of their enemies, and they all fell by the sword. Verse 25, therefore, says the Lord God, now I will bring back the captives of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel, and I will be jealous for my holy name. Verse 26, after they have borne their shame, all of their unfaithfulness, which they were unfaithful to me when they dwelt safely in their own land, and no one made them afraid. Verse 27, when I have brought them back from the peoples and gathered them out of all the enemies of their land, uh, enemies' lands, and I am hollowed in them in the sight of many nations, then they shall know that I am the Lord their God who sent them into captivity among the nations, but also brought them back to their land and left none of them captive any longer. This is his promise. And it's the latter years, the end of days. It's the end times. This is the prophecy. So God promises to judge the nations for their persecution of his people. We see this in Isaiah 51, starting in 22. And he says, thus says the Lord, the Lord and your God, who pleads the cause of his people, see, I have taken out of your hand the cup of trembling, the dregs of the cup of my fury. You shall no longer drink it. See? That counters the prophecy of being under the Deuteronomy curse. Verse 23, but I will put it into the hands of those who afflict you, who have said to you, lie down that we may walk over, that have said, lay your body down to the ground as a street for those to walk over you. And that's what all the nations have said to Israel, lie down to these 22 thousand square miles. You don't deserve it. Lie down. Let us walk over you. There's another verse that talks about those who have divided the land for gain, and that's exactly what they're doing. They're trying to tear apart Israel 
for their own benefit and to destroy the promises of God. You have to understand it's satanic. It's on purpose. We see in Micah 4.11. Now also many nations have gathered against you who say, let her be defiled. Let us let our eyes look upon Zion. But they do not know the thoughts of the Lord, no, nor do they understand his counsel, for he will gather them like sheaves to the threshing floor. He's going to thresh the nations by through Israel and how they treat Israel. We see in Zechariah 12, starting in verse 2, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness or a cup of trembling to all those surrounding people when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day I will make Jerusalem a very burdensome stone for all people. All those who take it shall be cut into pieces by it, although all the nations of the earth are gathered against it. We're seeing it. Verse 9, it shall be in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem, and I will pour out the house on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, and then they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves his firstborn. So it's clear that God has scattered Israel for rejecting Jesus, but that when through this process of standing for them and judging and protecting them against the nations that they will see, they will at some point invite their Messiah back, and they will mourn for having rejected him. This is the process God's using, and we must respect it. It's clear. And we see in Zechariah chapter 1, verse 14, So the angel that communed with me said to me, Cry thou, saying, uh, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy. I'm very sore displeased with the heathen that are at ease, for I was but a little displeased, and they helped forward the affliction. Therefore, says the house, says the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. My house shall be built in it, says the Lord of hosts, and the line shall be stretched out upon Jerusalem. Cry yet, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, my cities through prosperity shall yet be spread abroad, and the Lord shall yet comfort Zion, and yet shall choose Jerusalem. And so we see he shall return to fulfill the plans for Israel after afflicting them for their rebellion. And we see that in Jeremiah 31, um, oh, we see in Isaiah 49, he describes a process of bringing Israel back and then resettling the land, especially we see in verse uh, Isaiah 49, verse 22, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will lift my hand in an oath to the nations and set up my standard for the people. They shall bring your sons in their arms and your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. Verse 26, I will feed those who oppress you with their own flesh and they shall be drunk with their own blood. And then all will know that I am the Lord, your savior and your redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob. And so God is, is he, he did, when the UN gave permission for Israel to come back, the Gentiles brought help to bring and continue to help bring Jews into the land of Israel that they tried to make up for the terrible Holocaust. And that's exactly what happened. We see in Jeremiah 31, he promises a new covenant. He's also promising Israel's restoration. So we see Jeremiah 31, 31, behold, the days will come, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with them and their fathers in that day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which covenant they broke. Who hasn't? We've all done it. 
although I was a husband to them, says the Lord. Verse 35, thus says the Lord, which gives the sun for a light by day and the ordinances of the moon and the stars for a light by night, which divides the sea when the waves thereof. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also see, cease from being a nation before me forever. And so he intends to make them a nation again and not just in the millennial reign. He has he's going through the whole process and he's got a purpose. And so we know that God plans to restart the clock with Israel after turning his focus to saving the Gentile world because of Daniel's prophecy of the 70th week. And we'll look at that next week. And so we want to recognize that God's plan is to bring Israel back into the land. There's even more prophecies, but we have to, these are sufficient to see that it's his plan to sprinkle them once there and to draw them to him out of their unbelief. He allows the nations to attack this little 22,000 square mile nation that he's given to them in order to sift the nations and the people and to judge them, right? He returns his focus to Israel as the times of the Gentiles are starting to be fulfilled and to be completed. And he will use the distress of Israel to not only rely on their eternal God, but that they would return to his word and seek answers from him for their refuge. And we know that many are turning to Yeshua. He's using the distress to bring them back to him, to cause them to seek him, to seek his word, and to even listen about the promises of Yeshua in their final times. And so the Bible makes it clear that God has a plan to stand for Israel in the last days and by his mercy draw them to him when they see that he alone stands with them. They will seek him once more. And we know that God says that no one comes to me. Jesus said, no one comes to me unless the Father draws him. So we know that drawing his people back to God will also result in drawing them back to him. We're going to see a lot of miraculous things happening in these last days. And so until next time, the end time sequence is something we're going to discuss and how it contributes to the tribulation and our expectancy of what God will do and how he's going to use Israel to judge the nations and to bring his people back to him. So until next time, God bless you all. Join Wendy Scott every Saturday at 3 p.m. on K-Praise for another episode of Season Watch. Previous episodes can be found through the K-Praise podcast platform, where you can also access Wendy's other platforms and contact links. Please email Wendy with show comments, questions, or suggestions at wscott at mywordsforhim.com or visit her website at mywordsforhim.com for additional resources. Watch other teachings on her Rumble channel. Wendy's Words for Him, her fiction novel, The Lost, A Story of Christmas, can be found on Amazon. Until next week, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.